Today's reading is John chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, in them and you in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. This is God's word. Morning, everyone. Uh, My name's Scott. Uh, We are uh, in our third and final week in this extraordinary prayer of, of Jesus in John 17. 
Um, So as we turn to it, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what an extraordinary privilege to to listen in on this prayer uh, as Jesus prays uh, to you, his Heavenly Father. Please, as we look at it this morning, would we be changed? Would our lives be shaped by the truths that that are revealed here? Uh, We pray for your glory. Amen. Um, Unity is something that's often talked about, uh, but very rarely seen, isn't it? And the world works pretty hard uh, to produce unity in all sorts of areas of life. And what have we got? We've got the United Nations uh, seeking to to work for a better world uh, by all working together. And we have the European Union. Mm, Maybe that gets a bit complicated. Um, Best leave that there. And we even, we put it in the names of our countries, don't we? Think UK. Uh, U.S. Uh, in in the vain hope that somehow that will make it true that somehow we will actually all uh, be united. Um, very very rarely do we actually get there. And um, closer to home, uh, we long for unity, don't we? In our relationships, uh, in our families, and so often uh, torn apart by brokenness and conflict. We're willing to work hard uh, to produce unity. We'll work hard at our relationships uh, to try and get it. We long for unity in the church, uh, don't we? Um, Some Christians spend their whole lives trying to get uh, Christians uh, together, uh, working hard to produce that unity. In the final part of of his prayer, Jesus prays that his people might be one. But the most important thing uh, that we see is that this is a prayer and not a command. Jesus could have uh, commanded his believers directly, couldn't he? He could have said, uh, be one, be united. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't command it. Uh, He prays for it. And he prays to to his heavenly father who will always hear uh, the, the prayers of his perfect son. So ultimately, even as we look at unity this morning, uh, we see that unity is not a human project but a divine work. Unity is not something we establish, but something God does for us. Just a reminder of of where we're up to. This is Jesus' prayer on the night before the cross. And these are the last words of Jesus that John records before he's arrested, tried, and crucified. And that's why I asked Kate to read uh, through the, the first verse of chapter 18, just so we get that sense of how closely uh, the prayer of Jesus in chapter 17 is tied to his arrest and death. It's literally straight before it. Um, if you get a chance uh, this week, uh, maybe reflecting on uh, John 17, why not read through the whole prayer of John 17 and then straight in uh, to the whole of, of chapter 18 and beyond? We've, we've previously heard, haven't we, in, in the previous weeks, um, Jesus' prayer that he might be glorified, that he might glorify his Father. Last week, we heard the prayer uh, for his disciples and through them believers that they would be protected and sanctified for the work of, of, of preaching the gospel to a hostile world. Today, um, as Jesus concludes his prayer, we'll hear that Jesus prays for all believers that they might be one, that they might be brought to complete unity. A unity that doesn't come as we focus on ourselves, but as we look to him and what he has done. 
So as we look at, at this final bit of the prayer from Jesus, we'll look at it in three sections. Um, they're on your service handout if you want to follow along. The first one is much longer and we'll spend much more time on it. Uh, so don't worry when we, we're only at the end of it. Uh, we are more than, uh, more than a third of the way through by the time we get to the end of point one. Firstly then, and, and quite simply, Jesus prays that we would be united. Jesus prays that we would be united. Let me read again from verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Here we have Jesus making explicit that the prayer is not just for those who are listening in at the time, not just for those first disciples, but for all who will come to believe in him through their message. See, Jesus knows that as he sends his disciples um, out into the world uh, to proclaim the good news of Christ, there will be fruit from that. Uh, Many more will come to believe. And as this group of believers grows and expands across the whole world, Jesus' Jesus' prayer is, is in one way very simple. That all of them may be one, Father. He prays it again in verse 22 that they may be one. We get it again in verse 23, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Jesus prays that his people would be united. In a sense, we could sort of end the sermon there. I could sit down, we'll sing the final song and get to lunch. But as as we've already thought, unity is often talked about, but rarely seen. So what exactly is this unity that Jesus prays for. I think we'll see uh, three things as we look at it from the passage. Firstly, it is based on a shared belief in Jesus through the the apostles' message. It is a shared belief in Jesus through their message. uh, Jesus says that, doesn't he, right at the top in verse 20. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message which is important because it means that this unity among believers is not a unity at all costs. And this isn't unity based on a a vague feeling of um, mutual love or a desire for a better world. No, it's unity in the message of a crucified and risen Lord. And it's that message as taught by the apostles. Often in the context of the church, unity is, is sort of set in opposition to the truth. So you've got unity over here, and you've got truth uh, over here. Either uh, you can be big on truth and exclude everyone else, uh, or you can be big on unity, and it doesn't really matter uh, what you believe. That's often the way it's, it's sort of set up uh, in the church. If you're always falling out uh, because of what you believe... Uh, Should we not worry about truth in the first place? Uh, Should we get rid of this and just stick uh, to unity? Um, It would be a bit like, I don't know if you're fans of the Bake Off. Um, Why would you not be? Um, You know, people disagree about the Bake Off, don't they? You know, I want Rahul to win the Bake Off because I think he's the best. Uh, You want uh, Kim Joy uh, to win the Bake Off because she, you know, paints lovely animals on her cakes. Um, you think uh, that Paul Hollywood is the best judge um, that Bake Off has ever had. You're wrong. Mary Berry was clearly the best judge that Bake Off has ever had. 
Um, you might think that, uh, that it's just the same on Channel 4 as it was on the BBC, or you may have been so disgusted that it went to Channel 4 that you don't even watch it anymore. You know, there are lots of different opinions, aren't there, about something like Bake Off, but you know, maybe, maybe we can just all agree that you know, we just love cake, and so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, and we're all united around the fact that we love cake. Um, maybe you're not a Bake Off fan, um, let's have a football illustration. Um, maybe you think that, that Man City will win uh, the Premiership. You're a big Man City fan, and it's all about them. Maybe you think um, Man United will win uh, the Premiership, good luck. Uh, or Tottenham, or whoever it is. You know, differences of opinion, uh, but it doesn't really matter. We're we're all united around the fact that we love watching uh, 22 people kick a round ball uh, around a field for 90 minutes. We're united. Can we not just be united around the fact that we love uh, football? If unity is the most important thing, um, then should we abandon our firm hold on the truth, on doctrine? Um, should we have a sort of lowest common denominator approach uh, to, uh, to unity? You know, we can all agree that Jesus is pretty important, so let's just, let's just stop there. Let's not worry about the details. Let's just agree that he's, you know, a pretty important guy. Um, that sort of unity may work uh, when it's something pretty subjective, uh, like who should win the bake-off, or pretty unimportant, like who will win the Premier League. But we, we can't say that when it's about uh, the Christian message, can we? Jesus prays for those who will believe in him through the message of the apostles. And that is the starting point for unity. And we can't throw out truth in the hope that we'll somehow uh, be united without it. And that, that would be to, to totally miss the whole point of what Jesus is praying here. It's a unity in that message, in that truth of who he is and what he has done. So I think uh, that probably means a couple of things. It means when we find ourselves disagreeing uh, with with others, maybe other Christians, over the fundamental uh, nature of of the Christian message. We're not just to throw up our hands and say it doesn't matter. Um, Let's just agree to disagree and, and, and get on with being united. We can't just do that. There is the flip side as well, isn't there? There is the flip side that um, we're not to fall out over the the smallest uh, details. And Christians will disagree um, about uh, points of doctrine or application. But where there is a shared belief in the apostolic message of Jesus, then there is a unity which should be reflected uh, in our relationships. But the unity that Jesus prays for isn't a unity, is, is a unity, isn't just a unity, between people who believe the same thing. It's not just, oh, we are united because we happen uh, to believe the same thing. No, it's bigger than that. And we'll see that the second thing that we see about this unity is it is a unity like the unity between the Father and the Son. The unity we are to have is to be like the unity between the Father and the Son. Look at verse 21. I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. What Jesus is saying there just blows our rather simple um, uh, d- definition of Christian unity as just sort of let's all just get along. It blows that definition out of the water. And the unity that Jesus prays for isn't just let's agree to disagree and get on. 
No, the unity that Jesus prays for reflects the eternal relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Now, that is, that is big, uh, if we could try and get our heads around that. And what is that unity between Father and Son? Well, fundamentally, it is a, it's a unity of being. And they are distinct persons, Father and Son, but they are one God. Unity of being, it's unity of will, and what the Son wills, uh, the Father wills. And they don't have competing agendas uh, trying to push theirs up above the others. They have one at will. It's a unity of purpose um, as, they, uh, as they work out salvation. As the Father sends the Son uh, to win salvation, as the Son comes and, and wins it for his people. The unity between believers is to reflect that sort of unity. We're not, we're not God, are we? So our, our unity will, um, will look different, will be expressed differently. It's not exactly the same, but it should reflect uh, the unity of God. So we are one body, um, even as we are different individuals within the church family. We are to have one will. Our will is to, is to be to glorify uh, God. We are to have one purpose in working out at God's plan of salvation in the world, to tell others about Jesus so that they might trust in him. But it isn't even just uh, that our unity is to look like the unity between the Father and the Son. It's more than that. Again, it's actually a unity that comes from being brought into relationship with the Father and the Son. That's there in verse 22, isn't it? Look down again. I pray that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me. So this unity is more than just a unity between individuals um, on, a, on a sort of horizontal level. It's, it's vertical. Our unity is with Jesus and the Father. And as we are caught up in the unity that is between the Father and the Son, so we are drawn into a perfect unity together. That... Um, that's the sort of thing that might make your head sort of um, explode uh, early on a Sunday morning. How do we get our heads around that? Can, can we fully get our heads around that? Our unity is with the Father and the Son and with one another. Probably not. And we're probably never going to fully understand that. One helpful way to think of it might be uh, to reflect on, on the relationships within a family. So within a family, your relationships are interconnected, aren't they? I mean, you have a relationship uh, with brothers and sisters, not just because you happen to live in the same house, but because of your relationship with your parents. You receive the same love and care from your parents. You're in relationship with them, and so you are united with uh, your brothers and sisters. The way you love uh, your brothers and sisters will in some, some way reflect the love that you have been shown by your parents. Now, any illustration of, of how we are united uh, to the Father and the Son will, will be imperfect, um, not, not least because our families uh, will be imperfect. But you get the idea. As we experience the love of God, as we're drawn into relationship with him through the work of the Son, so we are drawn together into God's family we are united in him as we know his love, protection, and care. 
Um, if you have uh, siblings, you'll know that your relationship with your brothers and sisters is often far from perfect. And you don't always see eye to eye. But in the end, bottom line, you are family. And that is who you are. And so it is reflected in the way you relate to one another. Our unity together is still a work in progress. And Jesus prays that we might be brought to complete unity. It is an ongoing, progr- uh, ongoing process. And we will fail uh, to do that in many aspects of our life, uh, collectively, individually. But that is the goal. That is where we're heading. Complete unity. Our unity then is not a, div- a-, a human project, but a divine work. Our unity isn't about um, striving somehow to get along a bit better with each other. It is instead an outworking of all that God has done and is doing in uniting us to his son. Um, Take take the example of the church family here at CCM. Um, We should be thankful for the wonderful blessing of church unity um, that we we experience together. Um, It is a real blessing. But it doesn't come about because we spend lots of time uh, thinking about our unity you know, let's work hard at our unity. Let's, let's, let's think about our unity again, again, again. No, it comes about because we have received the same grace and experienced the same love in being united to Christ. And so we have become his people together and together reflect that in our relationships. And he's the one who has put the work in to unite us, not us. That's what God is like and that's what God's people are to be like as we're united to him. We are to be one. The third thing um, we see about about the unity that God uh, gives us is that it impacts the world. It impacts the world. Look at verse 21 again. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And we get a similar thing again in verse 23. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and... The world will know that you have loved me, loved them, even as you have loved me. The unity that Jesus prays for should be so striking and so different to what the world sees normally that those who aren't believers take notice. And the impact of this unity is that the world would know two things, that the Father has sent Jesus and that God loves his people. I don't know about you, but as you look around at the church, the world, and we asked the same question that we asked last week, has Jesus' prayer failed? And Jesus prays that his people might be one, but the church seems far from one. And the world seems to look at believers and often that puts them off at the message of Jesus, not the other way around. Maybe if you're here this morning and and you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, still looking into Christian things, maybe one of the things that puts you off, one of the things you have questions about is is the seemingly endless arguments that different Christian groups um, have with one another um, to the point that that the Christian faith itself just lacks some credibility. The church is far from perfect, isn't it? Um, And it won't be until Jesus returns But I want to challenge our view that at the same time, the church is one of the greatest apologetics for the Christian faith. 
I'm guessing that if you're not a Christian and, and you do keep coming to church, one of the things that keeps you coming back uh, is the sense of, of people loving each other. Not because everyone's uh, pleasant and, and nice and never has a disagreement, but because there is a unity of people acknowledging their need of a saviour and seeking to live out lives for his glory. And just the very fact that a very different, a group of very different people can come together, brought together by a shared faith in Jesus. And that is a powerful witness. Particularly in, in a city like London where so many are lonely, isolated. So let's not wait until the church is perfect till we've got every, everything squared off before we invite the world to take a look. And we might not be able to sort out all the disagreements uh, at, a, at a wider level. But we can invite our friends and neighbors to experience something of the unity of the church. To let them see how Christians relate uh, to one another. Flaws and all. And as we do that, I wonder if we might just be surprised uh, at the impact that has. So we've seen, haven't we, that, that Jesus prays that we would be united. And our second point then is, is Jesus longs that we would be fully united to him. Jesus longs that we would be fully united to him. Look at verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus is beginning to wrap up his prayer. He's, he's getting towards the end. And he, he does that by looking forward to a time when his, his unity, the unity he experiences with his people, will be fully realized. At, at first glance, it, it may seem that Jesus has changed topic. Um, he was talking about unity, but now he's, he's, he's forgotten about that. He's talking about glory now. But I think there is a link. Um, we've already seen that, that Christian unity isn't just about Christians getting on with each other, but it is about being united to Christ through faith. And if you're here in the evenings, Ephesians 1 has been showing us that, that the Father has given to his people every spiritual blessing in Christ. Jesus is with us now by his Spirit, and all wonderful things. But there is one thing uh, that is missing in the experience of a Christian one thing that will make our unity with him complete. And that is to be with Christ in person. So currently we see his glory with eyes of faith, don't we? But one day we will see that glory with our very own eyes. When we see his glory with our own eyes, it, it won't be a different glory to that which we see now. It, it will still be the glory of the cross. And we thought about that a couple of weeks ago. It will be the same glory that we see, but we will experience it in a whole new way as we see Jesus face to face. And that hope, that hope of being with Jesus, um, it isn't just what we should long for. Well, it isn't just what we should long for. It is what Jesus longs for. That's what Jesus wants too. That's what he prays. And he longs that our unity with him would be fully realized when he comes again. 
Imagine that your favorite singer is coming into town. I don't know who your favorite singer is. If you're trying to be cool, um, maybe it's, I don't know, George Ezra or um, Adele or Ed Sheeran. If you're being realistic, it's probably Meatloaf or Phil Collins or Britney Spears. Maybe, that, maybe that's uh, just me. But imagine your, whoever, whoever your favorite singer is, happens to be, imagine they are, they are coming to town uh, for a big concert. They, they've, they've sold out the O2. And you've been listening to their music uh, all your life. You absolutely love it. It, it. it chimes with your experience. It's been there all the big moments in your life. Uh, it is the story of your life. Imagine they are coming. And through, the, through your door one morning, you get an envelope and that has a, a pair uh, of front row tickets it doesn't just have a pair of front row tickets. It's got a backstage pass. Uh, it's going to let you hang out uh, with your favorite singer before the gig. And it isn't because they've been forced to by some sort of uh, promotional event. It's because they want you to be there. They want you to be with them. What a privilege. What a privilege to be able to experience that. Well, now here, the infinitely perfect creator of the universe... Um, who lacks nothing, who does not need anything. Listen to him pray this. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. If you're a Christian here this morning, Jesus wants you to be with him that you might share in his glory. Where we will be fully united uh, to him and will experience complete unity with one another. Jesus prays that his people together might be with him and see his glory. As we've already said, the Father will always answer the prayer of his perfect Son. And so we can trust that he will get us there, that we will enjoy his glory together, that we will experience complete unity with him and with one another when we are with him. So having looked ahead uh, to the time when our unity will be complete, Jesus, he rounds off his prayer with a reminder of the work that he has already completed. The work that will unite us and that will bring us uh, to him in glory. Jesus has made the Father known and in doing so he has given us all that we need for unity. That's our third and final point, very briefly. Jesus gives us all we need for unity now. Verse 25. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus wraps up his prayer by bringing us back to one of the key points that he's been talking about all along, that he has made the Father known. The world can't see who Jesus is, can't see the Father, but Jesus knows the Father, and Jesus has made the Father known to his people. And so we mustn't think that we need something extra to crack the problem of, of Christian unity. We don't need to go on a little hunt for some sort of magic bullet that will suddenly unite at God's people together. We don't need to abandon truth or race to the lowest common denominator. Jesus has done all that is needed. 
He has made the Father known and will continue to make the Father known through his, by his Spirit through his church so that we might be united to him and to one another. It is through that revelation of the Father's love um, that, that we are united to the Father and Jesus. And so Jesus' prayer ends, maybe rather strangely, rather abruptly. And with that, Jesus goes out, crosses the valley, enters a garden to be arrested, tried, and crucified to win salvation for his people and to unite them together. So as we conclude, the point Jesus is making here as he prays is not that we are to be distracted by some endless quest for Christian unity, trying somehow to make everyone get along. Ultimately, the work of unity is God's work, not ours. And that unity comes and can only come when we are united to him uh, through faith in the one who is one with the Father, with the one who has made the Father known uh, to us. One day, all the world um, will acknowledge uh, who Jesus is. Uh, When he comes again, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The world will always uh, have to work hard to produce unity, be it through the UN or the EU or in the family. But it is only in Jesus that true unity is found because we were created to be one with the Father and the Son, with the God who made us. The special privilege of the people of God now is to know God and to be one with him to experience the love of the Father through uh, the Son. As we do that, we are drawn into relationship with him and uh, with one another. But that doesn't come because we focus endlessly uh, on our relationships, on creating unity. It comes as we look to him who has united us in his Son. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it is an extraordinary thing that you would unite us to your Son, that he might be in us, that we might be his forever. Father, thank you for the privilege of that, for the wonder of that. Thank you that that draws us into unity with one another, that we are one people called to declare your praises. Father, please would you help us in in different ways to work out how we express that unity, that unity that you have given us. That the world might see, that the world might acknowledge that, that you have sent your son to die for the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.